0: I'm Noah Longworth McGuire,
1: and welcome to another chat episode of Talking Lion. Noah, we're talking about another song. Yeah, another release. We are putting them out. Yeah, we're really doing it. They can't stop us. They literally
0: can't stop us. No if matter they tried. How, much
1: they tried. No, how much we
0: try <laughs> yes. to stop ourselves, how
1: much we, how much we got in our own way, you can't, you can't fight the power of these, these tunes. You can't fight the power of a good PR release schedule. Yeah, once once somebody else is telling us to do something. It's all over for us. I'm
0: I'm great I'm great with deadlines. Not so good with giving myself deadlines. I'm
1: I'm great with giving deadlines, not so great at following deadlines. Mm, mm. Yeah. But hurt nobody is out. Yeah. As we do, we're going to break it down and talk about it so that those who listen to this and like us can you peek behind the curtain a little bit. <laughs> How did this song get get made? What's the story behind it? You know, we're going to we're going to tell these people, you know, are you are you ready for that kind of Exposure <laughs> Yeah, no, I have I have no secrets I have no secrets
0: Or the secrets I do have, I'm going to tell on the podcast
1: The secrets that I have are unrelated to this song <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's fair I, have se- I mean, I have secrets that I'll never tell
1: I have secrets I'll never tell, yeah. yeah That's what this episode's about If you haven't listened to the song, listen to the song If you listen to the song and don't care about it, this episode is not for you um, But if you are of the demographic of people who like the song And want to know how, how this even came to be This is for you. Yeah. So,
0: without further ado,
1: this is Talking Lion. All right, so Hurt Nobody. Hurt Nobody. We only did start that one in 2017, didn't we? Yeah, must have been
0: 2017. In the actually, I don't know when it was. I, it must have been later in the year because I was I was going back and looking for pictures uh, of the room at the time. And as I was revisiting it, I remembered that I had two eras in that studio room. It yeah, was just my bed on the
1: wall. I had bed on the wall. I had
0: bed on the corner. Yeah, exactly. I had bed bed on the left side and then bed on the on the on the right side. I don't know. There, they they had to like break down my wall one time, and I had to re. I had an existential crisis and reconfigured my entire studio. And I remember. I think correctly that when we wrote Hurt Nobody, the bed was facing the wall. This is completely useless information to anyone. But
1: for those who don't know, this song, like most of our songs, wound up taking quite a bit. Yeah. But it started with the chorus. I don't wanna hurt nobody. I don't wanna hurt no one. I don't wanna hurt nobody. I don't wanna hurt no one. Do you remember? that night <laughs>
0: i do remember that night and i remember i, I remember that more and now now that i'm thinking about it the memory that just rushed back to me is i was i used to work at the berkeley labs and one of the jobs i had is i had to sit by the phone and wait for the phone to ring which it almost never did but sometimes someone would ring in and be like oh we have to come to this lab and fix it but most of most of my job was sitting at a desk uh goofing off and not doing much of anything. And often, what I would do is I would spend a lot of time on splice and I would go through splice samples and I would just sit there for hours and just listen to splice samples. And I found a pack of old fake movie quotes, or maybe some of them are real. I don't know. um And I was scrolling through and scrolling through and I found this sample of a guy going, I
1: don't want to hurt
0: nobody. And I was like, that's kind of funny. And there was like this bug of an idea of like, maybe this should be a song. And later that night, I was like, playing around with me like oh this is kind of funny i like vocoded it and like made it into a little loop and like was starting to like build out a kind of idea you the
1: instrumental. i was with like bu- piano yeah i was like
0: making like a little funky thing i'm like oh what because it was it was the it was around the time of like that second 1975 record and it was like oh like let me make some funky like 80s inspired modern thing around this but it
1: did just have the sample repeating yeah over, over it was it, just i don't want to
0: hurt nobody I don't want to hurt nobody. It was just that over and over again.
1: And then I came home drunk. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I was going through a bit of a a bad breakup uh, at the time, and I honestly, like looking back, some of my favorite memories of that like really tough time. Yeah, I was drinking more than I probably should have. But I just turned twenty one. Uh, I was like the movies tell me this is a exactly. good way of handling this, so. Uh, you know, I can go to bars now and I, I, you know, I did that, but I did really, you know, and in a way that sometimes like cross boundaries with you and I, but like, I remember during that time getting so much sort of like comfort and like coming home from one of those like darker evenings, you know, by myself, drunk, whatever. And you being in the, your room slash studio, uh, sometimes with a, with a friend, sometimes just by yourself working on something and, and I just go up to the mic and just start going like, just like yeah. r- riffing on stuff, you know, and those are just really like n- nice memories because it was the classic, like music can save you. But it was, it was more of like, just f- feeling like there was more to life and more to my life than this, like sadness that I was kind of going through. Yeah. Um, Especially because the song that we were working on was so tied into the breakup as well. Yeah, like we were working on "Stop It," which I had co-written with the X, and so even to a degree, like the current music landscape for me was so seeped up in the you know, seeped in this breakup. So anyway, I come home drunk and I hear you with this with sample, you know, in this crazy beat, and I think it's I just think it's so hilarious. <laughs> like I think it's so fun. So I just like I go up to the mic. Drunk and I'm pretty sure just sort of laid down the chorus. Yeah, pretty much. Like I just was like, I don't wanna hurt nobody. I don't wanna hurt no one. And then there was the and then I don't know where the don't mind if my hands are bloody as long as it's not my blood.
0: I remember there's some delib- there was some deliberation about yeah, that. There was definitely like, some writing that happened, but it was it happened pretty organically. That was and the pretty thing, quick. is
1: like it happened that night. Like we were just sort of like riffing and having fun. Like what I what I know was that like I like I walked into the room. To this like funny sample. And by the next morning, we had this like chorus yeah. that we really liked, you know, which is which is such a fucking death knell for us, apparently. <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> so honestly, that night is a bit of a, a blur for me. Do you remember more detail? Not
0: really. I it? mean, I remember I remember tracking the vocals. I remember doing a lot, like I remember I remember you tracking wanting to track a bunch of harmonies and like, like stacking up a couple layers. And being like, oh, he's drunk, we're probably going to redo it. And the funny thing is, like, those are the vocals that are in the record. Like, we like at a certain point, like, this, the thing sat on a hard drive for so long that it was just like, it has this nice, messy, fun quality to it that I think we ended up bringing into the song. Oh, yeah. Like, like that kind of drunken party, like, you're just kind of singing in this carefree kind of way, I think is integral to the record itself, actually.
1: Well, I think that the irony is, is that we like, when we realized that we had this chorus that we really cared about and really connected to, um, and we connected to it because it was, like, I, I felt kind of the first time one, that i written a chorus right. that I thought was good, that wasn't just O's, oh, was, you know? Right. Or, like, a drop or something like that. The second was that, like, you know, it, it felt probably the closest to closing that gap of, like, what I like and what I listen to. Mm. Um, like, what I make and what I listen to. Uh, but also that, like, Here's this really great concept, this really cool, like this cool, breezy, fun, energetic chorus. And I then felt this responsibility to like write a verse. Right. That like was reflective of how I was feeling, you know? And I really feel like that pressure on it and not realizing what the song actually like it took us, it took literally years to realize what the song was, which was that it was fun. Yeah. You know, like I, I tried writing around the song. Like I wrote uh, many verses.
0: I remember. I I have a. I'm now getting a memory of sitting in the cabin in Big Bear, working on the Harbor EP or whatever. Whatever we were working whatever, on. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever we were working on Wh- at the which, time. Which
1: is how we got like what I get, and yeah, we're, we're fine. And like,
0: one of the writing exercises we did in that space was trying to write the verse for Hurt Nobody. There were so many times when Hurt Nobody was, like, gonna be the next single. I mean, there was another time later later in the oh, year yeah. or earlier in the year where it was like, oh, this is coming out. We got to finish it.
1: Oh, I remember being in, like, the first spot that we moved in in L.A. Yeah. And I was like, oh, well, the song, I mean, we got to write this. We got to, this is going to be our next single. So, let's right. like, actually, like, sit down and write it. I remember just, like, it, I remember the opening line was, like, like, call me bitter, but I got blindsided. Yeah, I remember that. You know, this girl broke my hard again or something like that. it just wasn't good but like we brought in like that was that was when we brought in uh ariel shrum yeah to play trumpet right because we're like oh well it's but it's gonna and we know it's gonna need trumpet and maybe he's touring he was touring or something like that so we recorded trumpet like <laughs> for this song that we didn't really have anything yeah for and we had know? like
0: You know, because we're like, at at that point, there was an inkling of of an idea that it was going to be like this noir, because I remember I went full L.A. Noir for the bridge. Right. I remember I like included like some weird chords because I was like, oh, it's got to feel like this kind of like washed out jazz record.
1: We like literally, literally modulated in yeah. the bridge. No v- the vocals or anything. It was just like the sultry trumpet yeah. like part. That I, was, yeah, I wanted like, to LA feel like noir. you just like
0: walked yeah. it, like you accidentally stumbled into like a noir film.
1: Well, because w- w- what I wanted to what I wanted to mention was that like I don't know if uh, how aware of this you are, but like my now like one of my closest friends out here, Noah Selman, we really like met um because he had a music video idea Mm. and through a mutual friend, like wanted to pitch a music video idea to an artist. Yeah. And it just was that he had an idea and I was an artist. So we like sit down at Franklin and company Right, first time I'm meeting him and he's, and he pitches an idea that was actually very different from what it wound up kind of wound up being. But we both wound up realizing that we had this love of like noir films, but also like, you know, just like playing on that imagery and we wound up eventually coming up with this, Music video idea that I do hope we do. Yeah, you know this music video idea of basically like noir meets Groundhog's Day, which is mm-hmm. this detective wakes up, goes to investigate a crime scene uh, of of a murder, meets a femme fatale, the femme fatale kills him, he wakes up and investigates the crime scene, but but it's now we know his crime scene. And again, he runs into the femme fatale, and he just keeps getting murdered. Eventually, um, he realizes, like, because she comes at him with a knife, that he, that she's killing him, and he he sort of shoots in self defense. And but instead of like the day resetting, reset instead of the day resetting or anything like that, he winds up going going to jail yeah we I like I, th- I thought it was like a fun concept just one just like the imagery of it was really fun and you know you get to play with like all these tropes and all that stuff but also that like there was something kind of fun about this idea of like of people um intentionally or accidentally hurting each other mm. like this you know the, the song is about sort of about selfishness but also about like what happens when you're in such a volatilely it's such a, such a hurt state that you become volatile. Mm. Like, I remember during that heartbreak time, like, I would wind up, you know, sometimes people date, sometimes people really lean on friends. Like, there's such a selfishness, emotional selfishness that comes from that. That, like, I like this idea of, like, the femme fatale is doing what she does, which is, like, you know, trick the protagonist. Like, she's doing what she was always meant to do, and and that's the rules of engagement. But, like, you know... He you know, he, his sort of hurt and his his lack of you know emotional understanding is what gets him in trouble, right? You know, and and that was there was something that was kind of fun about that. But but I was like, what if this was like what if this is a Noir film music video idea? And we tried to bring that into the song. So like the music video that doesn't exist for the song that hasn't been written, yeah, influenced <laughs> influenced.
0: Earlier versions of the song of the that song. then spilled into, like, what the song ended up being.
1: Yeah. And what, what wound up making the song actually happen was, one, in those intervening years, we stopped trying to write things, just us. Yeah. When we got stuck. Yeah, for sure. Like, we we would bring things to our co-writer, Alex Venegas, and he would help just unlock things in us and uh, ways of writing songs like it's not I don't think it's a coincidence that like our top song right now is good right like he helped us to you know like he yeah like like, to
0: like bring bring enough of like a, a mediation and a pop sensibility and just like getting the juices flowing and making something that still feels like us but has like really clear lines and like really like good melodies
1: so during the pandemic we're thinking about the record that we wanted to make like about most improved we were also revisiting a lot of songs and part of those revisitations led to different plans. Yeah. And part of those revisitations, you know, made us realize, well, you know what? We have no more excuses as to why Hurt Nobody doesn't exist. Like, we've written four, four, three hundred, four hundred 400 songs now. Why can't we write this stupid song? Like, right. Why can't, what's stopping us from writing this, this dumb song? So we call up Alex Venegas over FaceTime because we're all locked in quarantine. Right. I think we wrote it in like an
2: hour.
0: Yeah, it came out really fast. Yeah. Here's Alex Venegas talking about the day we wrote it.
2: Yay. All right. Um, <laughs> I guess I'm starting to think back to it. It was definitely a, a quarantine type of song. You had uh, hit me up. Everyone was still kind of in their own quarantines and houses. And uh, Nate had sent me. Uh, basically, I think there was three different songs that he had sent that he was like, hey, these are some old things that we have that we've kind of come up with that were just small snippets, kind of like a chorus, a verse, other type of things. Um, And "heard Nobody, the chorus was one of them with this awesome bass line that was thumping at every point and just like really, really well done. And uh, Nate was always saying, like, you know, we just couldn't find the verse, we couldn't find this. And I was like, "I, I love this. Let's figure out how we can do it. So, I remember I had like a little setup at home. I think it was actually like home, home, like in Dallas, visiting like with my family at that point. And I kind of had like a very makeshift like piano that I that was really dinky. That I just kind of like made a quick spot there, and we all Facetimed and went through it. And honestly, it was done in a second. But I knew at the at the end of the day, it was uh, very it was well done. Like we were we were really excited about it. I think us all trying to figure out how. Zoom sessions and all that was working of like going through like different melody ideas and having to be like, you mute this, you mute that. Like, it was definitely early days of all that stuff. But it was, uh, but I don't know, it communicated well. And then at the end of it, I was super happy with what we came up with. And then a a bunch of ideas. I feel like, Nate, you always have a way of flying with those of kind of like, hey, we can have the stop here and have the shot and have like, you know, the voices and all this. Like, you came up with that on the first day. And I was like, oh, that's. That's awesome! <laughs> like it just gives it so much more character.
1: I wanna hurt nobody, but you shot me.
2: Yeah, I know. So it was great, an amazing chorus. I'm glad I got to help it get over the finish line and really bring it out, because now it's it's a banger. So yeah, uh, excited about it, and um, excited to see where the rest of it goes and the rest
1: of the album. Do you remember stuff about that session?
0: I'm trying to think. I remember I remember sitting I was I was sitting on on that chair over over there yonder in the studio with with playing my little guitar playing the thing over and over again. And
1: you were playing this guitar part.
0: Yeah, that's 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 what I remember. I remember playing playing guitar and trying to get my head around the melody. I remember being very particular about the melody and wanting the verse. Like, I remember going back and forth a little bit with Alex about that. And yeah, I remember playing guitar and having this moment of like, this feels really good on guitar. (laughs)
1: because yeah, we had this otherwise the the base that was going on throughout the whole thing but it was too punchy I mean, yeah the whole it was thing too just too like
0: punchy. electronic and like especially especially at that point like and even more so now we we're starting to realize what we've now i think kind of fully realized that like sleeping Line feels really good with an acoustic guitar yeah like it just it adds that that something that folk intimacy sensibility almost, that intimacy yeah. that that like uh makes it feel right to us so you know we write a lot on guitar and we were writing that song on guitar and that ended up being uh one of the between that and playing it live on guitar that ended up being the nail in the coffin for like oh this this needs to be well i think even i tracked the that guitar that i was playing
1: in the day, and I think that's the same too, right? Yeah, like that, like yeah. the, that,
0: that, that day, like as the writing demo, I was like, oh, let me just play what I've been playing in the writing session. And that ended up being like, no, that feels, that feels like what it needs to feel like.
1: And I think that also because we were writing during the pandemic, which was like, like you, at that time, you emotionally felt one of two things you felt something about the pandemic or you felt numb and tired and yeah. exhausted. So it's not like we were, I was like trying to write. From my experiences anymore for yeah. the song, it was more that we could like really think. Well, what is the what is this song actually actually asking of us, and what is the sort of concept behind it? And that was, I think, the moment when I realized that we were supposed to be having fun the whole time. Yeah, you know, like Venegas is such a fun guy. Like the guy kind of goes salsa dancing. Like right. he is a fun, fun guy, and I think that he really inspired us to just sort of like be a little bit more breezy with it, have fun, really like get deep into the metaphor. So yeah. In a lot of ways, like the, the song opens almost like, I, I almost like two on the nose because it took us, it's, I think it took to be like, Oh, well, what, what is this song about? I don't mean to be selfish, but I'm worried about myself, you know? Yeah. Um, And, and so like that first verse kind of just is like, like specifically saying, this is what the song is about. But then at the end, it's like, this is a standoff and we're playing, playing, like, the metaphor of this sort of, like, standoff, filmic. Both a Western and a noir. Both a Western and a noir. This is standoff, don't make me fire first. Um, And then, of course, later we added gun sound effects because I'm a sound designer and I love that (laughs) shit. Um, But that, like, it was really a revelation to, like, go, like, have a verse that felt good going into the chorus because that hadn't happened yet yeah and then what i love about the second verse was that we were able to just sort of like live in the universe of the song from there on you know like after the smoke cleared you know it was a bloody fucking mess i was looking for love here now i'm on the run you know we were thinking i was thinking um about like um i had just watched uh butch cassidy and the sundance mm, kid nice just so thinking about like the posse running after him you know yeah. now i'm on the run with nothing left my favorite line of the whole fucking song is and then- my signs. At least now I know my worth. Yeah, that's funny. Um, you know, and that was just kind of... I thought it didn't make sense at first, but that was like kind of funny where it's just like... Yeah, it's
0: cheeky. It's yeah. cute. It's fun.
1: I was like, what would it be like if I had a wanted sign? It's like, oh, I know exactly how much somebody would pay <laughs> to kill me. You <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. That's kind of cool. You know, good to know. You <laughs> know, I don't know that information currently. And then then that was the song. Yeah. You know, and, and it was really just so wild to realize at the end of that session that the song was done. Like, the song was written. Yeah. Like, maybe minor tweaks here and there, but, like, if there was a song to be had, this was the song.
0: Yeah, we wrote the best version of it for what it was going to be. It was like, oh, no, we did it. We set out what we, what we set out and accomplished what we set out to accomplish.
1: Um, the sort of last step in in that time was, you know, because we didn't know when things were going to open up again. Like, we didn't know anything, whatever. I didn't know whether we'd be able to make the music video. Mm. And so I wanted to have that kind of interaction of the cl- in the climax come to life, right in the song. And also just like we were trying to write a bridge. We we're trying to whatever. and like it didn't make sense necessarily to like have the bridge go straight into the chorus. Like there was something that we needed something. yeah. and so i I just worked on a film with um Robert Stevenson. And Michelle Agresti, who completely coincidentally, her brother played drums on our song, By Now You Won't, like five years earlier. Yeah, Yeah. both of them provided their voices to this fake movie scene. I don't want to hurt nobody. But you shot me. Which I still get asked, like, what movie is that from? Which is great. Which is great, yeah. yeah. Completely made up, but um, they were great. They They just sent me the recordings and... Now it's in the song. Well, and that record. that
0: inspired the rest of the wave of this record having these filmic two liners, like these little these little couplets, like that. You know, Heard nobody was the first. The first, first of them, yeah. The and first then we, of them, we
1: have it have it in Casper and we have it in CTFO, and I think we're gonna sprinkle them into the rest of the the songs on the record. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it came from kind of embracing this, you know. Yeah. Um, and then of, of course we then didn't touch the song again for another couple
0: Yeah, we years. sat on it for a while again
1: because <laughs> it was the pandemic, and we didn't want to. We wanted. We realized that we wanted the song to be part of most improved and not on different plans. Yeah, but it just meant that we we sort of waited out the pandemic with it. But it did have that fun thing, which is that we you know we were play it. We play it live. Yeah, when things started opening up again, and the first time we played it live was incredible. Yeah, we played it at the resident. It was a packed house. And we were done playing the song. And this was the first time we played. We played it like at a house show, and people had like sung along, which was fun. But like, and people were singing along at the resident, but during this show, when we were done with the song, all like we're getting ready to play the next song. We don't know what, like, we're, we're you know, songs over, cool, whatever. Some random drunk person in the audience starts singing the chorus. Yeah. And then the entire place just starts singing the chorus. <laughs> I don't want to hurt no one. I don't want to hurt nobody. I don't want to hurt no one. But if I'm going to hurt somebody,
0: let it be because of love. I don't want to lay somebody as long as it's not my blood.
1: That was just you remember, like that. Yeah, it's yeah, a, great, it was a great.
0: It was a great moment. It, 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 it's very, very validating to hear an audience sing your song.
1: Uh, I think that that in a lot of ways, that experience of it though. Plus like playing it at house shows on our actual piano and stuff. Yeah. Kind of influenced the direction the song wound up taking and like the last sort of pass we took on yeah, it. Yeah, very much so. Because we well, well <laughs> Charlie Curtis Beard mentioned this. Uh that double the double clapping. Right. Uh that happens. That like the that was just because that's what people naturally would do when right. they would sing it uh with, along with us or something like that. Um, we just peer people, you know, doing this clap pattern. So yeah like, all right, let's add the clap pattern. We literally took the gang vocals from that night that people all sung along and and put it in the actual yeah, song. Yeah,
0: which I love. I love that like that that actual organic moment like made its way into the record in its own small little way like we didn't
1: record gang vocals. We just had we them. We just had them. Yeah. But the biggest I think we wound up running into a lot of trouble with the sort of instrumental.
0: Yeah, because cause there wasn't there wasn't like a traditional bridge with lyrics. It was like an instrumental section, which is always difficult to get right.
1: So and, and I think what's what's so fun about that is that we wound up just marrying all of the things surrounding the song. Like we originally had this idea that it was going to be like what happens if you walked into like a jazz club. Yeah. Years ago that was our their idea. So we revisited that idea of like what what if it felt like you were walking into a saloon or walking into a club. Like a piano bar, yeah, and you know you had people being rowdy, and you just had like somebody playing the piano. But also, when we play it live, we started trading off solos, right? So there was this sort of like soloing aspect to it as well, which you played. You played this, the piano solo in this. It's so good. It's yeah, so it's, good. it's fun. How did you how did you get there and and how did you create that environment? Because like, there's a lot of sound design and like making. Yeah,
0: I remember. I remember. I mean, there was a lot that happened between the first pass of the bridge that I sent you and the second pass, but like, I, it started like there was a, a, there were inklings of it, of like, there was like a, maybe a stomp or maybe just a, clap, or you know what it was? It was the rowdy. I actually, there's a rowdy clap sample that I love on splice that has like people clapping and then people going like, Hey, like in between the claps. And I've used it in a bunch of stuff. And as I was sitting there, I was like, you know what, that's like, that's what this needs. Like it needs like some sound design to like make it feel like people are listening to this piano and then that opened the door and then you were like no you need to go harder on that like you need <laughs> like you need like more wallas like you need to like go the full nine on it
1: walla is a, a sound designer uh insider term for like like the crowds of people like yeah you crowd know, making noises. noises yeah i remember we got back a mix of the song and he had mixed the piano loud in the way that you would. Yeah, like mix in, a piano. intuitively,
0: just like that's it's a piano solo. It should be a solo. It's like, no, no, no. It's no, just, it's
1: like, no, It just sound like you just like happened to stumble into yeah, this place. That's like, why I
0: hesitate to even call it. I mean, it is a piano solo, but it's not like all of a sudden, like it's a
1: piano accident. <laughs> yeah, it,
0: it really just it's just it's just riffing. Like, it's almost like the ad lib track at the at the end of a last chorus. Like, it's not like the uh, the shining star. It's like I think the real star is the crowd in that moment.
1: i both had the experience of like walking into a piano bar walking Mm. into an establishment where there's like great music that nobody's really paying attention to yeah and there was something that was like kind of fun about that moment where it's like you have this really dramatic like very punching punchy forward-facing like song and then all of a sudden it it falls back and you're like in this environment Mm -hmm. and then it gets back to like you know like us singing this, that, and the other thing. But like leading into this sort of movie quote, it's like almost taking a break from the song. Yeah, Like it it let us have fun. It let the listener have fun. Like you don't, it doesn't need to have all this drama all the time. Like you're just suddenly in this environment where like everybody's just having a good time. Yeah,
0: I think it would have been a lot cheaper if there was like a bridge where we continue to expand on the metaphor because it's also like, it, you need, yeah, you're very right, and you need breathing room. From from, it's such an intense song. There's so much going on. There's so much coming at you. That yeah, it's the little cigarette break in in the yeah. middle of the song,
1: or even like having the same because the pro- production is r- really aggressive, even for us. Yeah. So like, you know, even if like the the bridge had like all this punchy percussion and ba- the bass and the, like all this like whatever, it it's it, you. I feel like you'd get tired. Yeah. You just get tired, and I think that like there's something. I think that we we got a lot, and, and we've seen this happen. We've seen this happen before. Like, it happened on Window Seat where like, mm-hmm. you know, we played it with a trumpet player live before the song was done. Loved it so much that we got trumpets on the song. Like, I think that we felt the experience of everybody kind of cheering and singing and being, you know, like being rowdy to this song, like through house shows, through shows that we played. Like, yeah. That experience was so validating and rewarding for us. That it almost was part of our listening experience of the song, and also those people's listening experience of the song. Like for them, they were experiencing that that moment mm-hmm. in the same way that you now listen to it in the song. Yeah, like they were experiencing that instrumental section as people talking, people getting into it, people clapping, people you know us having fun, just like noodling, whatever. And you know, if you were to listen to the song, and it had this like polished thing. Like solo or whatever, it would almost betray that. Yeah, feeling that I think we all had a lot of fun experiencing in real time, you know.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: I think you did a great job with it. Yeah,
0: I'm, I ended up being really proud of it. I feel, I feel like, I feel like we did it justice. I feel like we like tends to be the case, and like I think we've we've talked about a lot uh, with this project. You know, we can beat ourselves up for taking a lot of time with stuff, and maybe there's some truth to getting stuff out faster. But I think that there's also a lot of beauty in the patience it takes to build something piece by piece year by year. Cause you learn so much like in the well, intervening like years the best
1: version of the song. And yeah. we tried so hard to do right. Yeah, by a
0: song. exactly. And sometimes it just takes a while to do right by a song like this.
1: Like it makes me happy. Yeah. Like the movie quotes fun. The bridge is fun. Like it's got all this, like all this, the, the sound effects of the guns and yeah, all that. Yeah, exactly. It's campy. It's, it's, it's whatever, but it's like, it, it's what we sought out to do, but weren't able to do back then, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, that's kind of, that's exciting to me. Um, and then the, the cover art too. Oh yeah. Like shot by the incredible Meg Meyer and featuring actually full circle moment, Noah Selman. Right. Exactly. Who conceptualized the idea as the detective and our friend, Morgan Lindholm, incredible actress. She, uh, she played the the femme fatale, but like we, you know, in trying to conceptualize this, it was like, well, what, what is it? It's like, it's two people hiding things from each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's two things, you know, it's two people coming coming together in a way that, like, to each other feels safe. But there is something behind their backs. And originally, I think he was going to hold a gun behind his back, but I, I liked the flowers more. Yeah. So it almost is like this sort of na- naivety, like, to the whole thing. And she's got, you know, this <laughs> this giant prop knife.
0: Right. It's so big, I love it's it. It's so
1: big, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, Meg... We had no idea how we were going to get the shot, too, because it just the the lighting had to be really harsh. You know, like we literally parked the car and shown like shine the light from the car and then stayed underneath like a a street lamp and then lit lit it to all hell. Like I was holding two lights. Yeah, uh, everything like that. But Meg got the shot. We didn't think we were going to be able to Meg. Meg not only got the shot. We didn't die that night, yeah. which was shocking because there were cars that like didn't see us and got very close. And there was also just somebody like screaming in the woods. Yeah. Like a human As there screaming is. in the woods. Um, but they were just they were having a lot of fun. And we got the shot and also got to sort of like reenact what that scene in, in that quotation part mm-hmm. would look like. You know, we got to like have the close-up of the gun nozzle and and have her. You know, I was giving direction, like, you know, you can see this in the canvas of the song, but you know, she's holding her stomach having just gotten shot. And at first, she's like surprised, and then she's like, seriously? Yeah, <laughs> like, you're going to shoot me? <laughs> so we just got to have a lot of fun with, with the cover, but also, and like, be able to like, and that's the thing, is like every element of this, this song feels right to me. Like, that was what we envisioned, like having this noir moment, and, and it's there. So yeah. very exciting how all those sort of pieces came together. Is there any like detail that you want to sort of highlight that we haven't sort of touched on or any part of the production process that you feel like you deliberated on?
0: No, I feel like it was pre- like what wh- what I like about it. I mean, the bridge took the most time, honestly, like the bridge was probably the thing I spent the most time on. The rest of it is just whatever I laid down really intuitively in 2017. Like, you know, like I didn't change the baseline. I had this crazy like DX7 patch that I routed a bunch of modulation to that like does this crazy wacky clavichord sounding thing and like you know there's lots of there's lots of fun little details in the production and I'm really proud of like how everything gels together in this like funky kind of way but I'm also I'm so proud of the fact that I just like spat it out one night and then was like all right that's good enough and then like haven't I never felt the need to mess with it like I I never at no point did I give in to the instinct to be like ooh maybe this needs to be different like it it really just was what it was
1: it was. I think something we were really conscientious of while we were trying to wrap it, that, like, we r- we were always running the risk of losing what made it special yeah, by definitely. trying to edit our younger selves. Yeah, you know? exactly. Or try to, like, correct what we maybe, whatever. It's the sloppiness. It is the fun that we had mm-hmm. in that night that I think drives so much of the song uh, song home, you know? I just love that we got to use like a classic gun ricochet. <laughs> um, that's that's hidden in there. Of course, there's a hidden Wilhelm scream. Oh yeah. Uh, there's also one in Casper. Um, nobody, nobody, you won't hear it, but it's there. Um, and yeah, just like being able to sort of play into play into the tropes of of this without it feeling. I don't know, too on the nose at any point. Or yeah, like, it's, we just had fun. Just yeah, fun. it was a fun record. You know, it's not like like so much of this record is like there was this really hard time between 2019 and 2020 where everything changed for us right we had to get over it and we had to grow up and here's all this like whatever and then this song is like a break this song is like yeah we also like noir films <laughs> <laughs> and we yeah. also like we also like shoot em up westerns we also like like dancing at shows mm-hmm. and having people sing along and like we're not like just sort of confined to writing like these really sort of Bummed out, you know, hard learned songs. Like we learned to have fun in our songwriting over the last couple of years. Like we've we've written really heartfelt stuff, like like July, you know, with with Lily Williams. And we've also written songs about making love to a literal Oreo cookie. Yeah. And I think that the ability to like have those two things coexist in us is something that had to be earned and had to be like grown into.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think like if you compare Hurt Nobody to the other Sleeping Lion song it's most similar to, which would be Handful, I feel like it lands with a maturity that like a maturity in its fun that Handful maybe doesn't have.
1: We were trying so hard with Handful. Yeah, exactly. Like Handful is such a try hard, try to be cool, try to be fun. Yeah. Try to be edgy, try to be the 1975, yeah. you know? And this song is a lot more like like anytime we found ourselves trying too hard we like put it away and revisited it yeah months or years and, later and that's growth that's growth. and that's you on know? growth um so it's just it's i still can't believe it's like out 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 i just hope that people have have fun with it like, yeah it's one of the few songs that i feel could be played at like parties or like on yeah. drives without like bumming the hell out of everybody. right exactly We hope you like the song. We hope that we've given you a little peek behind the curtain. (laughs) Shout outs and acknowledgments and thank yous to our co-writer, Alex Venegas, to Zip Tie for mixing and mastering it, for Ariel Shrum for playing trumpet on it, years ago and uh, getting a notification this morning that the right. song actually is out and exists. Robert Stevenson and Michelle Agresti for their incredible voice acting. Uh, to Noah Selman and Morgan Lindholm for being in the cover art and taking <laughs> such wild direction while we were almost getting killed. <laughs> and to uh, Meg Meyer for literally always making impossible shots and seeing what's in our heads and improving on it in yeah. real time. But thank you everybody for listening. We will be back next week with another Talking Lion interview with our friend Slim Dan, an incredible songwriter and producer himself. That's a fun one. It's a really fun one. And we really hope you enjoy Hurt Nobody. It took so long to make <laughs> and we care about it so much. So please, if there was a song that you were going to listen to a dozen times and share it with your friends and post on all the social media and make TikToks around this is the this is the song this is the song for me CTFO is the song for him so be fair and do half and half <laughs> you know if you're going to care about a song flip a coin let it be one of those yeah this is the last single before our album comes out which is coming out top of November most improved we just shot the cover art for that i cannot believe that it's almost coming out i am so excited and so tired i have the worst <laughs> exhaustion, headache, my brain is spaghetti. So thank you everybody who listened and we'll talk to you soon.